0: Red 10 standing by. Red 7 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Here we go. Incoming.
1: You're listening to We Talk Clones! In yes,
0: Solosound.net's Resident Clone Wars podcast. This is where the fun begins. Surrender, Jedi!
1: All batteries return fire. Blast them!
0: And now, here are your hosts, Tom... Stephen and William,
2: <laughs> welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts Tom and William. And today we're excited to have back
0: Sean King from CNET. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. I'm excited to talk about this episode. I am too. Let's let's really get into it. So I think it's gonna be a
2: very quick oh. episode. We're all giving it tens and we're done, right?
0: <laughs> um, well, we got to get through the announcements
2: Wait. first. I guess we can do some announcements and then we give it tens and we're done.
3: Yeah. Uh, I I I I'm gonna go one more than that. I'm gonna give it an eleven, but we need the announcements
2: uh, first. Okay. I guess we do need to talk about it a little more because yeah, I, I need to understand why Tom, you're
1: breaking our trusted Whomp rat rating
2: scale. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs>
1: Yes, well, we we do have some exciting well first of all again, thank, thanks you thank you, Sean, for for joining us. We're really excited to to talk about this f- incredible, incredible episode with you. Um, this is y- you can tell this is something special and I, I can't wait to get into that momentarily. Um, <clears throat> first, we have a, a handful of big announcements happening today. First, we have um, uh, the news that the final episode, of the Clone Wars, the series finale will be airing five days early on May the fourth. That's such a cool! I, I love that they're doing that. They haven't always yeah, done. Sorry, Steven.
2: I was say that's it's going to be, I think, the best Star Wars day we've ever had.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because they, we make a big deal about it as fans, but as as Lucasfilm, they don't always um do that much stuff for star wars day there's like you know I'll do occasional thing here and there but it's not it's not huge uh and so i'm really excited just that they're using this opportunity since the series finale lines up so nicely to really celebrate star wars day i know this is a debate as whether star wars day is may 25th or or may fir- may 4th um but uh, uh I, i'm just excited y- your, your thoughts sean
0: it's pretty wild. Uh, like, I didn't even notice in the press release initially. Uh, I just saw the, the stuff about the Disney Gallery Mandalorian, which we'll talk about momentarily, yes, I guess. Yes,
4: yes, yes.
2: yes. Uh,
0: and then the Clone Wars was a little bit buried under that. I was like, oh, so we're getting a little early. That is super cool. I have a little prediction. Okay. I think that The Rise of Skywalker will suddenly drop on Disney Plus that day. Really? Ooh, I like really? this theory. Okay. Yeah, I, it just—it uh, just makes so much sense. Uh, and like, they know that the people who are going to buy it on Blu-ray or whatever uh-huh. uh, will have struck immediately. Uh, hmm. I, and I just don't see the point in because like, everything that they've dropped suddenly on Disney Plus, like uh, *Onward*, uh, has been you know it's been really quite sudden uh and, and frozen too. Mm-hmm. So I think this will follow. And given like the state of the world right now, it just seems to make more the most sense.
1: That's a that's a great theory, especially given the that's fact a, that such a great theory. You know, a, as you said, I think there's a lot of appetite for for uh streaming right now and you know it's it's gonna happen sometime in the Summer. It usually happens what six three to six months after the digital release, mm. uh, and the digital release was in uh, you know mid March. Physical was at beginning of April at least here in uh, in the U.S. I don't think it's come out in London yet, right? Or it's just coming out?
0: No, it sure hasn't. Uh, which is a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. but but whatever.
1: Um, but yeah, I could see that nicely, nicely lining up. Uh especially since you know it's it's may 4th it's a it's it's a bit early but then again like the things disney has already been doing with uh you know some of these other um these other releases you know frozen 2 dropped uh shockingly early uh onward uh came out early a whole bunch of their other movies are coming early it wouldn't surprise me
0: it wouldn't surprise me well if i'm wrong We'll never speak of this moment again.
3: <laughs> okay, but if you're wrong, think of it this way. I think even William said that there's the debate on his Star Wars Day May 4th or May 25th. If it doesn't drop May 4th, maybe they're going to let Clone Wars season finale breathe for a bit but then on what everybody thinks is actual Star Wars Day May 25th, they drop it then.
0: I'd be okay with that too. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, at the risk of starting a debate, I personally think that Star Wars, I like how Star Wars Day is May 4th and then the Star Wars anniversary is May 25th, but
0: you know,
1: more, more Star Wars to celebrate. <laughs> um, any,
3: any any way you look at it, May appears to be Star Wars month. Put it that way. Because yes. also, you've got the joke of May the Sith for yes. May the 5th. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> but, um, or oh yeah, oh yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Um, sure. They, uh, in other news, though, we have not just, the Clone Wars is not the only thing ending May 4th. And oh boy, that's going to be a fantastic weekend. Just think, we get Friday the penultimate episode and Monday, the series finale. So I'm, I'm glad we don't have to wait that, that long, uh, especially given what we've already seen. Um, but we're getting a, a, uh, a something else. I mean, another major release will start on May 4th. And that is Disney gallery, the Mandalorian. And know Sean, you, you briefly mentioned this a minute ago, but it is going to be an eight episode docu series uh, all about the making of the Mandalorian, which just sounds incredible. Your your thoughts?
0: Uh, I, I'm super excited. Uh, the prospect of getting to see more like this is like the old DVD releases that were mm-hmm. like we getting a bunch of behind the scenes, um, and it's really really exciting. I cannot wait to watch it.
1: Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna give uh, fans a a look behind the scenes as how the show is made. It's basically you know like you said you'd find on a. Uh, on a uh, uh, on a blue release but in some ways this is even more extensive just because of the fact that it's eight episodes we don't know the running time but presumably they'll be somewhere between you know 22 and 44 minutes I think a lot of other Disney's docu series on Disney plus have been in the 44 minute range um, so I would not be surprised if this is that that length uh, and they will be dropping every week which gives Disney eight more weeks of Star Wars content to tide fans over, which is actually pretty smart on their part.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Keep subscribed.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the first episode which drops on May the 4th will be titled directing. Uh, it'll talk about, it'll have the individual filmmakers speaking about their journeys on the way to the director's chair and taking us inside the filmmaking process of the show. Then the next week, uh, we'll get legacy on May 8th uh so just starting out next week just a couple days later on friday we'll get legacy in which uh the team behind the mandalorian examines the profound impact of george lucas's star wars the following week will get cast on, on this on may 15th where pedro pascal gina carano and carl weathers will discuss the making of the mandalorian on may 22nd technology in which favreau and team will reveal how a new filmmaking technology was used to bring the mandalorian to life i'm really excited for this one i think that's the I think the cinema, cinema cinemaScope. I think they call it. Or no, what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. I can picture
0: it. Yeah, that's that awesome. Yeah, I can't remember what it was either. They have. Sorry. The big screen.
1: Yes, yes. Where they have the big screen in the background. That they do all the effects early, Uh, and it's kind of revolution, revolutionizing uh, uh, the filmmaking process in many ways. And then uh, uh, the last episode in May will be titled Practical, and they'll go behind the scenes and celebrate the artistry behind the practical models, effects, and animatronic creatures. There'll be three more episodes in June, but so far the titles and descriptions have not been released yet. So sounds really cool.
3: Looking forward to this one. Yeah. Anything to tie us over until the second season of Mandalorian? Totally works for me.
1: Which I think is supposed to be in August, right? Uh, Possibly... Like- I
0: thought it was October. Oh, sorry,
1: October. You're right. Sorry, October. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, uh, another Disney Marvel series. I think is supposed to be August, and then October. Ooh,
0: yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> assuming
1: things aren't delayed. Uh, and then I uh, yeah, and then uh, October will be the Mandalorian, but it'll still be earlier than uh, than last year. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in Clone Wars news, we are getting a new book called Star Wars The Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark. It's coming August 25th, and uh, it will feature a collection of stories from 11 authors, each writing uh, their own story. Lou Anders, Preeti Chibber, Zareta Cordova, Jason Fry, Rebecca Roanhorse, Greg Van Echort, Tom Engelberger, um, uh, uh, E. Ann Convery, that's uh, uh, Dave Faloni's wife, uh, Sarah Beth Durst, Yoon Ha Lee, and Anne Ursu. Uh, and they're going to be t- retelling ten uh, memorable episodes and arcs throughout the Clone Wars, which will be interesting. And you know, I'll we'll see if they provide additional perspectives. And it may- it's a nice um, uh, on-ramp for maybe new fans who haven't seen all of the episodes. But I think the reason we're all going to be picking this up is a brand new Night Sisters story. Super excited for that. Your-, your guys' thoughts? And
2: yeah, yes, please. <laughs> I- Especially after this episode, any anything that extends Clone Wars
0: is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Because we're into very the final, so the final
0: four. Very solid uh, group of authors too. Uh, we don't know who which of them is writing the Night Sisters thing, do we? That's not made clear.
1: No, but I don't know. W- what do you guys think? I suspect, like, uh, maybe it's uh, Anne Convery, given that her her relationship with Dave. <laughs> Um, be-
3: I was gonna say that. I was gonna say Feloni's wife.
1: Uh, seems reasonable. Uh, but you know i don't don't know for sure. Um, it'll also be interesting, just given that you know there um, you know the, the arcs we knew about. Uh, I don't think there was anything super sistery. history. Uh, I think at one point, um there was a, a an author. Uh, who mentioned that there was a night sisters arc super early in production that that um I don't even think made it to George Lucas before the show was canceled. Um, mm. but it's not one of the big ones that were, you know, in progress that they've talked about. So, it'd be re- really interesting to see if this is a net new story or one that was like in early uh er- the early stages before the series was canceled. But either way, more clone wars, never a
0: bad thing. They could tie the night sisters arc to Jedi Fallen Order. Considering, I, like, I felt mm. that uh, maybe getting into slight spoiler territory for that game. But it's been out for Raider, so we It's okay.
1: We'll go, uh, if you haven't seen Fallen Order, skip ahead a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, like, you go to Dathomir, and it's pretty much devastated. Uh, and there aren't a whole lot of like, sisters left. So this could bridge the, the gap between The Last Clone Wars we saw there.
4: Yeah.
0: Oh, but Maul goes to Dathomir as well. He's there in Solo. Oh, I don't even know anymore.
3: Yeah. That's true. That's true. I guess and we're just gonna have we're gonna have to wait for the book to come out.
1: Yeah. And of course there was for those who haven't read it, like we there are is more of uh the Night Sisters story in Son of Dathomir uh, as well. Uh sure. that we never see on screen, but but happened in the comic from the unreleased Clone Wars arc. So I don't know if it'll be dovetailing like after that or, or what, but it kind of felt like the night sisters were wrapped up in, in many ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it could be about like their post mother Townsend. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause for those who, who may not have read son of Dathomir or who forgot about it, I, I it had been forever since I read it. And honestly, I forgot I, I went and reread it last week, but um, and actually so this is a nice background given that the, this, this, series focuses on maul last time we saw him was in that fantastic episode in the arc uh, with the lawless right and i think sean you were telling us you mm-hmm. we were just re-watching this sure did um and you know sidious at the end like he, savage Opress is killed maul is taken prisoner and Sidious says i have plans for you and that's all we see
0: yeah and it ends with like him just blasting Maul with force lightning, and it's like, that's the last we see until that comic came out. It's like, what happened to poor Maul?
1: Yeah, and if you're just watching the series, The Clone Wars, um, he will appear in this episode, spoiler alert, uh, with, you know, that plot point effectively unresolved. Um, So, so for those, you know, again, just to to recap the arc briefly, again, if you want to stay spoiler-free, just skip ahead a little, uh, a couple seconds, but 30 seconds or so but basically the the gist of the episode is that uh so the mandalorians end up freeing maul from prison uh you know sidious's prison and maul is taken to a safe place to meet with mother talzin uh you'll remember she you know used some of her life force and put it into him so he could live and she's basically seeking more energy so she can be reborn not dissimilar from palpatine in the rise of skywalker um and uh Sidious really wants to of course Sidious like this whole thing is part of his plan to lure out Mother Talzin so he can kill her he's he's, he's worried about her as a rival uh, and so eventually you know a lot happens back and forth but eventually Maul and Mother Talzin clash against Sidious Dooku and Grievous all at once and she sacrifices herself to save her son uh, and Maul escapes back to back to Mandalore to continue leading the shadow collective
0: That comic series, I reread it last week, just as you did. Uh, I hadn't read it since it came out, but it's incredible. Yeah, Uh, like I really wish we'd seen that in like episode form because it's so focused on the villains and it's just so satisfying, and the action is amazing.
1: Yes, it is. It is. So uh, that's where we find our characters now. It's it's you know after this this arc. A lot's happened, but I, I think there's a lot happens
3: in this episode. too. Uh,
1: yeah. So I think that's our cue actually to, uh, to get into the episodes So Tom with just four episodes of the clone wars left. Tell us what we'll be discussing today. Wow. You had
3: to bring that up. I have four more of these to do that basically deals with the clone wars, but this one, this is clone Wars season seven, episode nine, old friends, not forgotten directed by Sal Rees and written by Dave Filoni. In this episode, Anakin and Obi-Wan must decide whether to help Ahsoka pursue Maul or rescue Palpatine. There is no Jedi fortune cookie because, and this was the coolest thing about the episode, right off the bat, you knew it was very different because it started with the old school Lucasfilm logo in just plain green text and Ahsoka's theme in the background. I, I was like... You just knew this episode was different because on top of that, it went right into the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars logo, but with the Star Wars theme main title.
1: Yeah. The, this yeah. actually, I almost missed it at first. Like, I, I was so, really? it's so familiar that I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, wait, hold on. That's the, that's the main title. That's not the Clone Wars theme.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I knew that right off the bat, William. I mean, its it, it, you knew... You knew, you knew it was special because there was no fortune cookie, yeah. and it also started with just part one.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Old friends so that, not forgotten.
2: That part one just that that hurt when it comes up yes. for me. Just the yeah. like, first of all, like. I, you know, I, I don't even know what to say i do want to like once all of these four episodes are out i suspect you could go back and watch them and this could have been released as just a single like two hour movie and it would have worked in like super well is well, my I think, guess
3: and, and i think what hurts what hurts for me is you know that if all the stuff that's going on right now wasn't happening they were probably going to do some kind of screening because they've done it before And just to see this on the big screen, Stephen, I totally agree. I would love to see all four of these episodes without the parts, saying part one, part two, part three, part four, on a big screen. Because cinematically, if you watch some of these shots,
0: they are gorgeous. They will, like, at some celebration in the future, and I'm not sure if we'll be having a celebration this August. um, I doubt it. But at some will well, some future celebration? They will show these in a, as a supercut uh, in like a feature-length thing.
1: I I, I would see. really hope so. Yeah.
3: I mean, just just some of the shots. I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around here, but the one that sticks with me is the one with Anakin and Ahsoka in the hangar bay with the gunship in the background, and the two of them basically just standing there staring at each other. When he's on screen right, she's on screen left cinematically that was just gorgeous it was shot so well but also you know if you're going to get existential about this you could see that there's the distance between the two of them and how just how not connected they are anymore Mm
4: -hmm. just
3: with that shot and how it was laid out so sorry to skip that ahead anybody want to bring it back to like the red logo when everything starts because you also knew that was something different as well
2: yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. The last time we saw the red logo, actually, I don't even know what it was. The I previous think it episode, was I know. The mall, mall, I'm so trying to
0: remember it. Uh, I think the original airing of the Lawless had but, it, uh, a red logo. But watching it on Disney Plus earlier today, it didn't have the red logo there, uh, and I was a little surprised.
1: Yeah, I could have sworn they had it there, but I feel like they wouldn't have changed it. I
0: don't know. Maybe they could have changed it, knowing they were going to use it.
3: For this. This is possible. It's
2: possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. Everything about the opening of this episode tells you that this is special. Yeah. Yeah. Like through and through.
1: Yeah. I I do like that, you know, the, the, you mentioned it, but the old school Lucasfilm logo was, it was kind of surprising. It's, it's different. It's, it's, it's more classic. It's a, it's a throwback, you know, and it, the whole thing was really designed to again make it feel special. Like I, they even they even made the text just a hair blurry, like it used to mm-hmm. be on the original on the original logo. Uh, you know the, the, uh, the you know because it says you know Lucasfilm Limited. Like n- none of the it's not the nice version that came out. I think with the prequels, right? Uh, I think that's when they they introduced that version. Um, yeah, it's just very very cool, and it it, it really. Yeah. When when the episode starts, you know, wow, this is this is new. This is special in every way. In every way, we still get Tom Kane's voice of time as he catches viewers up to speed on what's going on. Um, but that's really the only familiar aspect of the beginning. And Dave did say he did leave hints, drop some hints. You know, a couple weeks back that the final arc would be pretty different, and yet also very special i think this is Mm -hmm. uh this is exactly what he was alluding to well
3: well he when he was talking about special i mean first off you get a really cool updated model of general general grievous and then when you get the jedi temple war room and we've seen this before you literally see caleb dune who ends up being who
0: kane ajaris oh yeah here you go
3: and then, you know, you've got Plo Koon flying over camp and then you've got Ao Secura on Felucia. I mean, they're tying just within that little bit of Tom, Tom Kane's opening, they're tying a lot of stuff together that references directly to one, Rebels, and two, the films. I mean, that in and of itself is really cool. And they also uh, mentioned the Outer Rim sieges.
2: Within the first couple of minutes of this episode, you're just like, oh, I, like, this is not going to end well. By the time yeah. this arc is like, and we knew that to begin with, but it's seeing like, especially seeing like Ayla and Plo Koon, you're just like, oh, yeah. well, Enjoy <laughs> your last missions.
1: It was nice knowing you. That's, Farewell. That's the first hint of just how close we are. Like we we find out later yep. in the episode, and it, it gives me chills every time I watch. It. Every time I even type it, like it gives me chills, and it is just so. Perfectly done, and of course, Dave would sneak in Plo Koon, given that Plo Koon is his favorite character. Uh, I'm okay with that. Oh, I yeah. love
0: Plo Koon and the Keldors. They just look amazing.
1: Oh yes, they do indeed. They do indeed. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but before we get into like before the episode gets into the 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 real meat of the story of the Siege of Mandalore. I actually liked how we got to see a little bit of the Outer Rim sieges and what Anakin and Obi Wan were doing uh, uh, before uh, the war ends. Because uh, we hear in *Revenge of the Sith* they were they spent six months in the Outer Rim sieges, and to be honest, like we've gotten a little bit of Anakin and a little bit of Obi Wan here and there throughout season seven, but we haven't mm. really gotten some action scenes with the two of them together. Um, it's-
2: What this really reminded me of is um, actually like the 2D Clone Wars animated series that aired on Cartoon Network years and years ago. Um, One of the things I always loved that is that 2D series very much was, it did two things that at the time, I'd say, were kind of revolutionary for Star Wars, um, and particularly around the Clone Wars. One, it was, um, I'm going to call it almost more propaganda type pieces, showing off Mm -hmm. what What the experience of the Jedi fighting in the Clone Wars was like and what it would feel like to people, um, which I think was really neat. Um, But the other thing it showed and the Clone Wars expanded on that I loved was showing the relationship of Anakin and Obi-Wan together as they uh, became two of the most famous generals in the Clone Wars. Right. Um, And there's an episode in the 2D series where that was so reminiscent of the opening here with um, I think I don't even remember what planet was on anymore but it's Anakin and Obi-Wan are on some rainy planet and Obi-Wan's miserable because he's trying to fight this oh, oh, long yeah. battle mm-hmm. it's, and it's not going well. And then Anakin pops in and they go off on this crazy plan that ends up working. And it just, it solidifies this, like, this is who Anakin was. to so many people. Right. Mm-hmm. This was Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the heroes of the Clone Wars. And just this, this entire sequence exuded that so perfectly that
4: mm-hmm.
2: I mm-hmm. I mean it really makes and it, it's part, part of why I love it it leads into episode 3 so well because the the um, juxtaposition of this like the sequence with Anakin and Obi-Wan is they're on the bridge and Anakin's standing um, and wondering why Obi-Wan's cowering in cover and then that's followed immediately by like you know at this point what within a couple of days at least probably of Anakin and Obi-Wan standing again next to each other as on like Mustafar mm-hmm. and how far Anakin has declined since then
3: it's somebody somewhere. I saw online um Or Facebook or wherever said that from the point you saw them in this episode To where Anakin actually falls they technically say it's like five days
1: Yeah, do we, so, do we know how long revenge of the sith how many days the story of revenge of the, sith, revenge, of the sith, revenge of the sith takes place over? I, I that's remember. a great
3: question. I have no idea. I, that's I've why heard, when I saw this, I'm like, hmm.
1: I've heard some speculation that it's it's a couple days, and some that it's you know potentially even a couple months because of how how pregnant Padme is at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, but you know, either way, it's we are we are leading into Revenge of the Sith, and and we see that very clearly uh, later in the episode, and that that moment gives me chills. When and we'll talk about why you know they're all in this situation in just a moment but anakin uh you know anakin is talking with ahsoka and uh, obi-wan runs in and they're expecting like oh we're gonna go to mandalore and he says the chancellor has been kidnapped we're going to coruscant the capital is under attack and i just got chills every mm-hmm. single time i watch this like they are they're going to coruscant and the obi-wan even says they'll be there within the hour Right. Like, we are one hour away from the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith.
2: It's so cool. It's so cool. Well, I even loved, I think, uh, Anakin has a line later when he's talking to Ahsoka, and it's like, look, like, this could all be over in a couple of days.
4: Uh-huh. Right. And,
2: and in a couple of days, like, the <laughs> this is the climactic battle of the Clone Wars, the Battle of right. Coruscant. Yeah. It. It's... And it's so. I, uh, this is one of the things. This is such a perfect culmination of the Clone Wars as a series as well, because this is we're about to see the the end of Anakin Skywalker's. Or I, I mean, not the end of his full arc, but you know, like the end of his time as Anakin Skywalker. Basically, we're <laughs> seeing the end of Anakin and Obi Wan's relationship. We're seeing the end of Ahsoka's relationship with them. We're seeing the end of the Clone Wars as a series. The end of <laughs> the Clone Wars as a war. Like so many things are coming together here that are just staggering
4: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
3: well you got to get to the point to where if you're looking at this as the last battle with obi-wan and anakin you have to give anakin credit for standing on that bridge and basically in a certain from a certain point of view making fun of (laughs) obi-wan hiding behind basically debris because his troops are basically being decimated by the the droid army on the other side and anakin having the I can't say the words because we're a clean podcast to sit there and stand there and dodge a bolt right over his shoulder while so talking great. to Obi-Wan and then gets up and casually walks out toward the Droid army, almost like, you know, and, uh, uh, Luke Skywalker in, um, in, um, God, last Jedi. Last Jedi yeah. Um, yeah. So you're looking at this just going, it, that, okay. Somebody take over. Cause that battle was amazing. Amazing.
0: Uh, the, the, the Last Jedi stuff was quite deliberate. I mean, it's yeah. shot for shot, and the way all the droids turned, and it's like, aim every gun at that man or whatever. <laughs> um,
1: Just like uh, his son will uh, do, you know, later on.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. great. And even their, their body language is kind of similar. They have their shoulders back, and they're in that sort of superhero stance.
1: Very cocky, very confident, confident you know, and I think you you said it really well I think Steven like this shows Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship in its prime and what makes it all the more heartbreaking is that we know yeah. how close Revenge of the Sith is you know we know exactly. especially when like it, the first hints are when we see you know Aayla and Plo Koon but you know then of course later as well as soon as we hear that the, uh, the classic you know alarm blaring in the background and the fact that they're heading to, to Coruscant like, it's hours. It's hours until, yeah. you know, Dooku is dead. It's uh, it's days, maybe weeks, but most likely days until Anakin and Obi-Wan are, you know, uh, battling it out uh, in a duel to the death on Mustafar and Anakin falls mm-hmm. to the dark side. Days from Anakin murdering younglings in the Jedi Temple, right? Like, this is all coming to a head, and, and yet we get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan's friendship here and it's a really great contrast. And it, it is, it's also, I think in many ways, this is, this may be the last time we see Anakin and Obi-Wan in the series. Right. You know, at least, at least together as, as, as heroes, like this is kind of their swan song and, and the Clone Wars, while it started off as Anakin and obi Wan's show, I mean, it was very much an ensemble show, but you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan are the heroes that we, we knew coming into this. Uh, this is really Ahsoka's show. It's it's Rex's show, and I think they're mm. going to be the ones that close out the series, right? And it, so it's kind of heartbreaking thing, as well.
3: Yeah, and, and the other thing that's really sad about this is you you see the relationship that Obi uh, Obi One has with Commander Cody, you know, mm-hmm. and and you're sitting here just like here Cody was going to get nailed by uh, by uh, a shell, and Obi wan comes out and basically saves him. And and at this point, which I find very funny. In the wide open, you have Obi-Wan sit there and say, you know, Cody, get down. I would have said, Cody, you know, know, fall back behind that piece over there, because that way you'll be not so exposed. Instead of, Cody, get down. If you're getting down, you're going to be exposed. But to see that, the relationship of Obi-Wan saving Cody, and then later, you go back to Revenge of the Sith, where you've got Cody sitting there basically telling the troopers to fire on uh, Obi-Wan. I mean that's another relationship you get to see there
0: mm-hmm. fall apart. Yeah, this show should kind of reveal. This is jumping ahead to a future episode, but mm-hmm. like when when Order sixty six kicks in, we're going to see Rex reacting to it, presumably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and like perhaps fighting it, whereas like Cody just went along with it. Clearly, Rex will resist.
4: Yeah.
0: Or. Or maybe he'll just sneeze and his chip will fall out. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but but, but see, like, the, it, the best thing so good.
3: The best thing about this episode is we finally get to figure out where Rex was during Revenge of the Sith. We know mm-hmm. that now at this point he did go with Ahsoka to Mandalore. Right. And as you said, now we get to see the relationship build between Rex and Ahsoka going forward.
4: hmm
1: and I'm very eager to see how order 66 plays out. I'm sure we're going to see it at this point. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Troopers there.
2: Yeah. And, and all this is jumping way ahead, but, uh, I suspect the siege of Mandalore is not going to last all four episodes.
1: I'm with you. I think, I think it's over at the end of next episode. I think so too. Uh,
3: I would say two and a half. I would say it, there, there has to be a wrap up point, but I agree. I don't think it's going to be all four episodes.
1: I think we're gonna go very, very soon into Order sixty six and the and I, if I had to guess, like it might even be like a happy ending, like everyone, maybe they they win, they they capture Maul, everything everything's you know great, and uh, all of a sudden when everything seems happy and and successful, boom, the clones turn. Kim- can you imagine?
2: Sorry, I'm. We're. I'm way. At the, I'm in the next episode at this point. But like, I just. Mm-hmm. I. I'm gonna lay my prediction out right now. Episode two, and I, uh, let me scroll down. What. Are the, what is episode two called? Do we know the name of it yet? We do. Uh, we do. Okay. So, Phantom Apprentice, uh, which is a great name. We should talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> it's ending. <laughs> Maul, whether he's captured, whatever it is, he's resolved like the, the Siege of Mandalore is resolved uh-huh. and it ends with like probably Rex turning around as his comlink starts beeping at him. And that's the end of the episode. Yep.
1: I would not be surprised. Like we, I, don't,
2: I don't think we see it. I don't think we see Palpatine on screen in this ep- the next episode, but mm-hmm. I think we start it. Like it ends with it kicking off, and then the third episode is titled like "Order 66, or <laughs> okay, who knows? I don't know. I'm excited. What is this coming out again?
4: Can I get it now? <laughs> okay, but here's
2: you're, here's you're laughing. The thing, so that was that was a serious question. Oh, I yeah. Who knows? <sighs> a um, week and a
1: half. But, but week and a half, th- Stephen. Two weeks. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, uh,
2: but
3: here's here's my biggest question about this whole thing how is Rex going to react and the rest of the clones going to react to Ahsoka when technically she's not a Jedi anymore. And she said that many times. And it's funny because when they're walking down the hallway, she's standing right by Anakin and they're saluting her. And, and she's like, they don't need to do that because, you know, I'm not part of the the Jedi anymore. And, and there's that heartbreaking line where Anakin just starts talking about loyalty. Mm hmm. And loyalty means a lot to the clones.
0: What so, loyalty to Darth Sidious.
3: <laughs> uh, well, until until okay, and that's why I say it's kind of heartbreaking because as soon as the chip goes off, they're now loyal to Darth Sidious.
0: Right,
1: but and their loyalty to 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 the Jedi and to Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi Wan like falls apart, and they kill them. They try to kill them.
3: Okay, yeah, but that's the question. She's technically not part of the order anymore,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and she's going there as a quote unquote advisor because. You know, here you've got Rex now uh, promoted to commander, so technically he's above Ahsoka, in a way, because she's not part, and even even Obi-Wan said it, or, said it himself, she's not part of the Grand Army of the, of the Republic anymore. So, that's going to huh. be a very interesting question going forward. How are the clones on Mandalore going to react to her when she really is not
2: a Jedi anymore?
1: Maybe that's the only reason they're able to resist the only reason they're able to, they don't kill her. Maybe they even start to kill her and then realize like, Oh my gosh, there's a loophole. We don't, we can, we can somehow get out of this order Um, Mm -hmm. because she's technically not a Jedi. And then she helps remove the chip or do whatever.
2: This is sorry. I'm now realizing like the end result of all of this is going to be Dave Filoni. (laughs) I, I, I realize this is Dave Filoni was sitting there like seven years ago. And he's thinking. He's he's sitting in his office. He's look. He's got his you know pen on paper for the script. I don't know why he's writing it by hand instead of on a computer, but uh, just assuming that he is. Technology changes a lot in he seven just, years. Sorry, what did you say, William? Technology changes a
1: lot in seven years. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, But I'm just I'm picturing he's sitting there writing. Is like, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna kill Ahsoka. I'm gonna make them think they're safe and don't have to feel bad. By not killing Ahsoka, and then I'm gonna write the most heart wrenching episode about the clones being forced to kill people that they worked with against their will, and everyone's going to cry, and it's going to be glorious.
1: <laughs> I
2: just, oh, it's gonna be awful.
1: Oh. This this arc is just—it's already off to an incredible start, and I I know it's only gonna give even more heartbreaking. I mean, it was it was emotional enough just seeing the reunion between Ahsoka and the clones, we are talking about the loyalty and how like, we're going to see this loyalty fall apart in just a couple episodes. And it's, you know, you go out there and as, uh, you know, Anakin surprises Ahsoka with Rex and the 501st all standing in mm-hmm. a whole platoon of them, all standing at attention with all their buckets painted to match Ahsoka's, you know, orange uh, headtails. And, you know, Rex like keeps calling her commander, even though she's not anymore. And they all keep saluting her and like, Statefully just keeps like twisting that knife in a little more before he makes them all turn on you. It's it, it is emotional. Like I you know, I I'll admit I got a little emotional seeing it. It's, seeing it back. It is together. emotional
3: because I I would say there's a couple times in the episode where they are pulling at your heartstrings and yes, you could, like a guy like me, cry because you know what's coming. You know the end results.
2: Yeah, so I want to switch gears a little bit and actually talk about um, another thing that I really loved how this episode handled. And it ties back to what we were talking about with, as far as, you know, this is days before Anakin is murdering younglings in the Jedi Temple. Um, But I really like the interactions between Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka. Mm. It, like, the moment Ahsoka walks off the ship onto the Republic cruiser, so much is communicated so well with body language and I'd say like awkward silence like Anakin Mm -hmm. is so excited that she's back he's kind of picturing this as oh it's gonna be kind of like old times and Ahsoka is very aware at this point that the Jedi aren't perfect she says as much to Obi-Wan you can see Obi-Wan resisting and being um, I'd call him almost dogmatic which is Mm -hmm. uh, a traditional Jedi I guess in some ways and you can see that rubs on Anakin wrong you can like it's laying these little seeds of Anakin who in his mind is like, Oh, he knows Ahsoka was done wrong by the Jedi, but now he's seeing the impact of that. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't blame Ahsoka for that, for being distant and not willing to kind of come back and restart things. But I think he, like he sees that as this is the Jedi just failed someone who was very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so much is communicated in that, like just that a couple of like, what the opening 10 minutes of this episode yeah. It,
0: yeah. And he kind of it, it, his his reaction to her evolves as like it, during these few minutes, like he is clearly disappointed that they're not picking up where they left off, but like he gets over it later, kind of, uh, or he he kind of he's more natural. Like he's very disappointed, and he accepts it gradually. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, there is that part in the hangar where he's he's trying to reason with himself that now it's become clear because she's the one that brings all the information with bo to, uh, and I'm going to get to this really quick because I'm going to jump to this part here. Um, when Ahsoka and bo meet, meet um, Anakin and Obi-Wan and start talking about what's going on in Mandalore, were you surprised that um, uh, Yolarn wasn't in there with them as well? Is
2: I'm actually quite, not because yeah. I, I think really? it's very representative of exactly what Ahsoka's and Obi Wan's kind of argument is here. Ahsoka's not a member of the Jedi Order. She has no standing with the fleet. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, good point. Honestly, like, that, point. from Yularen's perspective, I kind of imagine, and like, I don't say this is a, a negative thing about Ularen either, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, hey, we've got a random visitor on the ship. I'm letting her on that, like, a ship of war as a favor because I know what she's done in the past and what she means to, you know, the commanding officers and so on. But, like, mm. I, you know, th- it might as well be, like, someone's mom visiting the ship. Right? And I realize <laughs> the clones don't really have others. So that's not <laughs> a perfect analogy. But it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we got a visitor on the ship. I'll let them handle it. It's not, like, what mm. she, like, regardless of what Ahsoka wants, no one on that ship other than Anakin and Obi-Wan care. Mm. And in many ways, like, Obi Wan doesn't really care.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you. They like they clearly care for Ahsoka. Uh, Anakin, especially, like the stunned look on his face when he Ahsoka calls is just priceless. And then the the you could almost see the hurt when she brushes him off. He he tries to ask yeah. how she's doing, and he he brushes her off a little bit. Later, he's like he keeps trying to ask questions, like, "Oh, why were you on you know Obadiah?" And she like that's not relevant, and brushes him off again. She's all business. And I think part of that is she doesn't want to get roped back up into the Jedi business again, and and it probably hurts honestly for her to mm-hmm. you know be back there, even though, but she knows she needs to be there, right? They they can't. Right. She knows ultimately. Like remember, if you if we think back to what you know the uh, the the Martez sisters reminded her about in the last arc is that you, you got to be there to help people in need, and as a Jedi, she is. That is that is who she is. That she's at her core. She helps people. She has the talents to help people, and she's realized this. And I think, and that's why she goes with Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. But she's also afraid of where it will take her, of of leading back to the Jedi, and it does take her right back to the Jedi. And so I think she's trying to have this distance. Um, and so it's not. While it's a it's a it's a it's so nice to see them all reunited. It's it's not a, you know, everything's back to normal, type of reunion. It's very. You know they, they clearly still care for each other um but you know ahsoka is trying to keep be a little more distant she's speaking her mind uh, you know and she you know fairly critiques obi-wan right because obi-wan what's uh, sorry yeah because obi-wan you know he, he insists on running everything by the jedi the jedi council and right. that that takes time and all the bureaucracy there and and um and uh you know he's trying to do things the right way what cracks me up is you're describing a breakup.
2: Yeah. Like uh, yeah. a romantic breakup. This is, Ahsoka's like, look, I we've got a lot of history together. I get it. <laughs> but I, I'm i not going to fall into old habits again. I don't have blinders around my eyes. It's it's actually kind of remarkable how, and like I we don't see it in the episode, but I, I, it's pretty clear to me that it's, we're probably a couple of months at least, if not more, away from when we last saw her on Obadiah. At least that was my impression. She does say it's Mm -hmm. been a while. Uh,
1: Uh, And she looks very different visually. She has a new outfit on. So I suspect she's been with Bo-Katan for a while.
2: Yeah, and and when she critiques Obi-Wan, it is very clear that she is, uh, I'd say in many ways, she's earned her right to say she's not a Jedi at this point. Like, not just in terms of name, but like, when she says she's not a Jedi, and sorry, I should say, like, I'm, what immediately happened after this episode ended is I went and watched the Vader versus Ahsoka scenes mm-hmm. uh, fight from mm-hmm. uh, Rebels. Yep, because um, I just felt like hurting myself a little bit more. <laughs> um, but what, like, it's she's made the change, and it, uh, it's a really powerful. I think like a couple of uh, scenes as we watch Anakin and Obi-Wan both come to terms with it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can see even at the beginning, Anakin is, he's almost, um, when he first learns that Ahsoka's back before, you know, uh, or I think was, they're on their way to, to meet her. He's almost, uh, he's almost like trying to justify why she left the Jedi. And and he mm-hmm. says like this is this is why she left so that you know it was it was all you know for a reason even though she didn't you know, not to say that she had it planned early on but it's it's for a reason she 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 left the Jedi order so we could go and catch them all and you know and and without her doing that like none of this would have happened it's like he's still trying to rationalize her leaving I think
2: I think it's actually more than that I think this is uh and actually I'll say and I'm reeling this as I'm talking. I think more than any other moment in this episode, this is the, the moment when Anakin starts to switch into Revenge of the Sith Anakin. Mm. Um, and the Anakin mm. that is willing to turn on the Jedi. Because what you're describing is a very classic Jedi mantra of the Force willed it. This is what the Force intended to happen. Mm. And what he begins to realize through this entire set of conversations, like, no, the Force didn't will this to happen. This is the Jedi made this happen. And if the force didn't will it, then I have, I can take the power to change it. I have the power to make reality what I want it to be. To borrow a Marvel phrase. Uh, and that is exactly what leads Anakin into the dark side in episode three is the realization that like trusting the force is no longer good enough. Not for him.
4: Hmm.
1: It's really, no, really interesting. Oh, I'm the chosen one. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, it does kind of hurt a little bit when she's even, uh, you know, at one point, Obi Wan kind of tries to defend the Jedi and and the his actions and says it's not fair, and she's like, "I'm not trying to be," you know. It's like, ooh, ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can still see that 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 bitterness a little bit, than that how frustrated she is, and and how you know even she even calls him on it. So yeah, the people are losing faith in the Jedi. You know, it's very, it's very sad it is.
0: She has seen it and he hasn't. Right. So like, yeah,
1: that is very true. true. I'm hearing a bunch of typing by (laughs) the way. Yeah. Do we want to go back? Uh,
3: yes. Sorry about that.
1: Sorry about that. Let me.
3: A couple things about this episode that I liked and, and we may have mentioned it when it comes to like Ahsoka kind of going after Obi-Wan and kind of saying a few things. When it comes to a good burn, and one that really hurt Obi-Wan, was Bo-Katan. <clears throat> Excuse me. When Bo-Katan was sitting there trying to make her point about, hey, you know, we need help with Mandalore. I can't sit here and do this my, myself. I don't have the numbers. I need to have, you know, the Republic at least give me some some help with this. And you've got Obi-Wan saying, we've got to go to the Jedi Council for this. To have Bo-Katan come back and say, look, you know, she touched on the relationship that Obi-Wan had with Satine and was almost like, did she not mean much to you? And to have him sit there and say she did. And it's like, that was such a burn to Obi-Wan. You could sit there and, and look at him just going, it hurt. But it was also the look on Anakin's face where it's like, you almost had that look on his face. It was just like, Oh, really? Yeah. What did you guys think of that one?
2: I, i appreciated especially anakin's side glance of like obu Obi-Wan, i Wan's exact line was like look i had the choice of attachments and I, I'm, sorry, I'm saying this is not the exact line but like i chose uh to put like not put my feelings first anakin looks aside like oh man that sure sounded like a jedi answer good thing i did the same <laughs> thing right
4: yeah
2: <laughs> um yeah bo katan was spinning fire this entire episode uh, mm-hmm. And if the rumors of her being in Mandalorian season two are true, I'm very excited. Like I, the other line oh, I really so loved, cool. much later mm-hmm. is when, um, she's talking to Prime Minister Almec, and when the siege of Mandalore is starting, and Almec's like, "The people will hate you," and she's like, "Don't care, still doing <laughs> yeah. it."
1: Like, and and multiple just, times and, it was compared to how uh, there she was. People told her, "You're nothing like your sister." <laughs> well, that was that was
3: Ahsoka just flat out and said that yeah. to her right there after she sits there and tells you know. It, it, I you know I don't care I don't care if I'm not like my sister I that was beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. the you know cause switching uh, it was so so great. Um, switching switching gears briefly, I also really appreciated how we actually got more backstory on the Fulcrum code name. I loved that for especially for Rebels fans. That's a nice tie-in for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's a little different than I think we originally suspected. In the Ahsoka novel, she uh, she su- suggests building a spy network under the name Fulcrum to bail Organa, and eventually we see her use the pseudonym in Rebels. We don't actually learn that it's Ahsoka until the, the season season one finale, and then you know others start to use the code name as well, including uh, Agent Callus, uh, much much later. But um, but in this episode, we learn that the 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 codename was not, it depends on actually how you read this i kind of read it two different ways um, i it sounded to me like it's the name of anakin's subspace frequency but it could also just be uh you know that that, that someone was using the codename fulcrum on his subspace frequency but either way uh we you know we hear that this we learn that this is actually how anakin or how soka reaches out to anakin it's using the name fulcrum and uh, it sounds to me like it's something that Anakin's had in use for a while, and and actually communicates with Saw Gerrera using uh, the Fulcrum code name. Uh, again, nice callbacks to to the Andoran arc and to you know eventually uh, Rogue One as well. Uh, and, and so I just, I just liked how we actually got more of an explanation for where Fulcrum came from.
3: Mm-hmm. You also kind of got the idea when it came to the logo too. When you look at it it's kind of partially made up of the uh, design on Ahsoka's face. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, um, Doesn't Cassian Andor use the Fulcrum codename at some point as well? Oh, you're he? right.
1: He did. He did. I think they revealed that in one of the
0: visual guides. That'll be in the show. Yeah. That has to be and- in the Cassian Andor series, right? Yeah, and everyone who ever used the code name will get together and they'll form a band called the Fulcrums. <laughs> most of them are dead. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, not, I guess your chances of dying are higher if you use the name Fulcrum. <laughs>
3: and, and this is this is the best kind of Star Wars storytelling right now. Is how they're able to tie a whole bunch of stuff together mm-hmm. and make it all work. It's yeah. it's it's incredible when when it. When it hits on all cylinders, it's great storytelling.
1: Yeah, and this didn't feel like a forced reference either. It wasn't like... It was very much a one-off comment, but as fans of Rebels, as fans of these other mediums, it's like, oh, man, that's amazing. I mean, even uh, the book Rebel Rising. uh, In the book Rebel Rising, Saul Guerrero uses the name Fulcrum many times, and I don't think he ever explicitly um, goes by that pseudonym or or uses the codename, but he he sh- heavily references the word fulcrum in conversation, uh, as well. Uh, and so again, n- kind of a nice way of tying all of it together.
2: Mm. It's, and I'll just add, like, it's really impressive to see, like, I'll, I don't mean this is, uh, I should say, uh, this will sound slightly, um, what's the word Shade, not shady, but like, uh, like I'm throwing shade at like, uh, re- I was gonna say revenge of the Skywalker and that's not right. <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: uh-huh.
2: Rise of Skywalker, um, and actually a little bit maybe seven as well. Um, but this is think about how much Dave Filoni packed into this episode. That is yeah. what we would consider like uh, if you're being particularly nasty, what you would call like nostalgia bait or things like that. But all of these little references, a I don't think you lose anything by not getting them. Um, they don't feel forced. They just seem to fit in naturally, and just it all works super well. Like this was. First of all, I mean it was a half hour episode we should talk about. Like it was longer than an average Clone Wars episode. Yep. But it still was just a like so many little things packed in that really made you feel rewarded for watching the mm. Clone Wars or seeing Rogue One or watching Rebels. Like all these little things that just tied in together so nicely. Um sorry, and I should uh yeah, like it just super cool. I loved it. Right.
4: Yeah.
3: Right. I, and and a couple a couple for me that stick out. One you get the definite feeling that this is the last time you're, you're seeing Ahsoka say her final goodbyes. Well, this is the last time to Anakin and Obi-Wan. But what I really, really, really loved was Obi-Wan had to remind her to basically capture Maul. Mm-hmm.
4: Because <laughs>
3: I killed Maul once. He doesn't seem to stay dead. And, and you're looking at this just going, again, you're a grown man wanting to cry. Because, again, it it gets back to the writing in this when it hits on all cylinders, and none of that felt forced, especially the Obi-Wan basically looking, basically saying that line, I killed him once. That wasn't forced. That was the actual truth.
2: I loved that it. I wish, and in some ways, I actually wish it was a little bit more direct. But I love that even here, you can see Obi Wan demonstrating a little bit of the compassion that we see him show to Maul in Rebels. Yeah, that it's it's not, and I should say, I part of what I was hoping Obi would say. It doesn't fit his character all. But when you know, I've already like I already tried to kill Maul once. Make sure you cut him into more than two pieces this time. <laughs> <laughs> like not a good, like not an Obi Wan line at all. But I really, really wanted him to say that.
0: Yeah, like the best thing to do. Would be to kill him because capturing Sith Lords just doesn't work. Just like the, it's it's ridiculous to say, "Oh, we'll, we'll capture him; he'll definitely stay in captivity." Right. He doesn't have superpowers to break out. Uh, like the thing to do is to kill him, uh, chop him into multiple bits, and freeze him in carbonite, and then put the carbonite block into the sun. <laughs> there you go,
1: Sun Crusher style. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's like. I, I, it's great, especially since we know that in Rebels, Obi Wan will be the one that ultimately kills Maul. And in in some ways, like knowing what we know in Rebels does, uh, on the one hand, it spoils a lot of the events of of what kind of will happen in the Clone Wars. But on the other hand, I think it, it really adds to it, and it it, it it's some nice because it lets us get nice nods and and um, and really learn how all the events went down you know like we know Ahsoka will survive we know Maul will survive we know Rex will survive but in spite of all that I think they're if this episode is any indication going to tell an incredible incredible story of how it all happens
0: Um, yeah Uh, we also kind of know like a little bit of the details of the end of this arc from the mm -hmm. Ahsoka novel like I'm not going to say them here but like just a few little details she kind of recalled in flashback in that novel yeah
1: Yep. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So there, it, it's more about the journey than the the exact events. But either way, it's going to be, it's going to be so so good. Uh, and I think yeah. that also is what makes it even more bittersweet when we see, Ahsoka say goodbye to Obi Wan. You know, it's you know he 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 says I killed all once. He doesn't seem to stay dead and, and walks out. Is that the last time we see him? It might be the last time we see him in this show. Like, unless they cut to showing part of Revenge of the Sith, um, but in you know, Clone Wars animation, that may be the last we see of Obi-Wan. Or, yeah, or they say they have will, another We'll see him
2: one more time. Which is uh at, so I think we're agree well, we are predicting episode two is gonna be uh what I'm gonna call the wow, why am I like the order uh sorry, the end of the Siege of Mandalore. Okay. Episode 3 will be Order 66 happening. Like, I think Episode 3 will end with Ahsoka and Rex basically getting out of the tricky situation. And Episode mm-hmm. 4 will be a closure. And in Episode 4, like we saw in Rebels, we will see Obi-Wan's broadcast message to all of the Jedi warning them to stay away and telling them what happened. That's a good point. I, I think that will be... And I think that's actually going to be a really important sequence because even though is not a Jedi, as she kind of points out in this episode, she is in many ways being... A better Jedi than the Jedi are right now in some Mm cases like in terms of how she's helping people when this all goes down her reaction is going to her need is going to be to go and help people Mm -hmm. and that message is going to be what dissuades her from doing so
1: Mm. so you don't think she'll try to go to Coruscant like Obi-Wan did no
2: I don't think so I think she'll get the message from Obi-Wan and we'll see her and Rex do something different Mm.
3: we'll probably see the two of them split up they'll probably both go their separate ways
2: Another fascinating thing, and this is... The timing on this, this is tough. Just because we, we know the Kenobi series has been in production and has had some kind of turnover on scripts and things like that. But I, there is a part of me that thinks we could see Ahsoka and Obi-Wan meet again in person before they split and go their separate ways.
3: Hmm. Well, there mm-hmm. is that rumor that if it is true that... um. I'm blanking on her name. Um,
1: Rosario
3: Dawson? Sorry. Rosario Dawson supposedly signed a contract that is supposed to go through series, meaning that she could do... You know, I don't think she can do the Cassian Andor series, but it's definitely Mandalorian and an Obi-Wan series.
1: Potentially. I mean, uh, it is pretty yeah. standard for a lot yeah, of shows, but yeah, potentially. I, it's I interesting. Think.
2: Sorry, and I, we're way off this episode, but as a last <laughs> thought, I like... I. I say as I go and open up a whole different can of worms.
4: Um,
2: <laughs> I could see, like, if if the Kenobi series is revolving around protecting Luke, um, I could absolutely see a sequence where Ahsoka works with Obi-Wan to help protect Luke as a way of protecting the legacy of
1: Anakin. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't... And it, it
2: would... Sorry? Sorry.
1: I'm trying to remember now. She doesn't actually know that Ahsoka, sorry, that Anakin turns the dark side for sure until. No, but think about she... how
2: powerful that sequence would be. And uh, oh, I guess she would actually. Ahsoka right. and Obi Wan on Tatooine. Ahsoka being like, "Man, I'm, I can't believe Anakin's gone. Yeah. I, I will do anything I can to protect his legacy." and Obi Wan going like, "Yes, yeah. Anakin Skywalker is gone."
1: <laughs> you're right, because she doesn't have to know that he's. She she thinks he's he's dead, and that still works to protect his legacy. Even she doesn't find out that he's Vader until Rebels.
4: mm Hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh, I want all these things.
1: Anyway.
2: (laughs) Well. (laughs) Well. So bring it. Go ahead. Okay. Just no. Bring us back to the actual episode. Yeah, I mean that's
3: Uh, that's what I was I was gonna go ahead.
2: uh, Yeah. So we talked about. Uh, Obi-Wan, they're trying to decide whether or not the fleet will help Mandalore. There's a treaty in place that pre- means Obi-Wan doesn't want to uh, engage with them. Ahsoka's frustrated because she feels like it's the Jedi doing, choosing politics over doing the right thing. And then we find out Coruscant's under attack. The fleet splits up. Ahsoka begs and, or I shouldn't even say begs, but Anakin and Obi-Wan agree to set, promote Rex, send some of the five of to help the Ma- Uh, Mandalorians and then we're off to the siege of Mandalore
1: yeah and it's actually it's a pretty brilliant strategy of promoting Rex because if Rex is a commander he can lead the you know the he can read the lead the 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 troops to Mandalore by himself right and you know Rex and Ahsoka can serve as an advisor and it's the perfect plan for getting him out of the way of revenge of the Sith it still breaks breaks those treaties that have been in place for a hundred years but like at this point who cares um (laughs)
0: politics mean nothing right and
1: and 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 I like I liked how Obi-Wan even mentions how Shaq T was sent to protect the Chancellor which is a nice callback to both the revenge of the Sith deleted scene in which Shaq T dies and the old Genndy Tarkovsky Clone Wars series where she's protecting the Chancellor and also dies Um, but you know (laughs) either way like I I love how we're getting all these little tie-ins and callbacks
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and actually something- well, sorry Tom
3: I was going to get to the point talking about callbacks so when we get to the siege of Mandalore having the uh, Republic ship basically come over camera view but what was the most gorgeous thing was all those ships all the gunships, all the, the carriers, carrier ships that were bringing in the tanks all the, the Mandalorian ships all that stuff going into the, the planet of Mandalore that was such a
0: gorgeous shot. Yeah, I we, loved every like, moment yeah, of that. There. Uh, like having just rewatched The Lawless, which is like one of the most impressive episodes of the whole show, that you can see that there isn't that much going on on screen a lot of the time, mm. but this is constant. Like the, there's, there are so many assets there like to put it in the most boring production terms. <laughs> uh, Uh, Whereas I don't think they would have done that in the old show. I've loads of ships there. It was really cool. Yeah.
2: Uh, And like what the sequences of like, as they're heading into the planet and, you know, bombs are bursting everywhere. The gunships are getting shot down and, you know, the Mandalorians arrive with their jetpacks. It is, it is so like just beautiful. And like, and I, I realize I'm biased, like, you know, spaceships fighting is one of my favorite things of any (laughs) franchise ever. But just, wow, it is just so visually intense and so mm-hmm. well done where, you know, it's like one of my least favorite things about a lot of modern movies is you've got all this really cool, like, choreography, but you can't actually see what's happening because mm-hmm. things right. are so frantic that you just can't see anything. Like, this is, they, they've they got this perfect balance of, like, oh, you really feel like there is chaos of battle going on here, but it's not hard to see what actually is causing each of the that chaos. Because I think, like, go and watch it a hundred times and you will see a hundred different little stories play out as the siege of Mandalore begins. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And and I think what I really loved about it, I'm going to talk, it's like the choreography of all the action for first, when you get in there and the gunship starts opening the side panels, but then you got Bo-Katan putting on a helmet behind, uh, behind Ahsoka and Rex and says, what are you waiting for? Get out there. The choreography Choreographer, her jumping out with the other two Mandalorians and then Rex just like, hey, you know, I don't have a jetpack for you. And then Ahsoka going, I don't need one. And I think the best choreography is when she jumps out of the gunship after she says, see on the ground, going from gunship to gunship Mm
4: -hmm.
3: to a Mandalorian ship. And in each time she went to a gunship, she was fighting off Mandalorians. Then -hmm. she went to another gunship uh, where she fought the Mandalorians inside the gunship and got to say. Anakin tweaking her lightsabers. My God, those are the most beautiful things to see spin. She has blue lightsabers up. now. Blue yeah. lightsabers. But to see that trail as the lightsabers moving through screen. ah, oh, gorgeous.
1: But, but and some
2: of those shots of where she lands on the gunship, knocks off a Mandalorian who's up there, swings below into the, uh, like the bay, takes yeah. out a couple more, you know, with, you know, signature choreography and like movement. And you're just, yes. yes yeah <laughs> yes please please give me more
1: and meanwhile we
0: yeah, have the force theme incredible.
1: flowing into ahsoka's theme it's just it's it's great i also love like ahsoka grabbing onto the the mandalorian's jetpack as as like spins out of control or the mandos skydiving around rocket fire like every moment was just perfection
4: mm-hmm.
3: the one that i love the most she gets to that final gunship she rescues the pilot and she's sitting there holding on to the gunship as it's going into um, into the complex. I was literally hoping for – you guys remember the Old Republic, the game where they mm-hmm. showed one of the cutscenes where you had the gunship go through the Jedi Temple?
4: Yeah.
3: I was yeah, hoping yes. for a shot like – I was hoping for a shot like that where she rides it all the way down, not so much crashing into it, but rides it all the way down. But still, the impact was there where you see her go so far – then jump off and then you get to that nice beauty shot of her landing on the platform the lightsaber slowing her down and that big explosion behind her just like the they I mean, talk about choreography
0: yeah uh, that was the that whole sequence was incredible like yeah. and yeah the the slowing herself down with the lightsabers into the ground was like the uh, the chef's kiss it was <laughs> <laughs> so, but like, you wow. say
2: that but it, it's it's then followed by the Fantastic Love, like, oh, it's a, it's one Ahsoka versus like five uh, Mandalorians, and she's really outnumbered. Wait, no, actually, I think they're outnumbered. <laughs> Followed immediately yeah. by like, oh, not only is are they outnumbered by just Ahsoka, but when the Mandalorians pop up over the edge and just like. I don't, I don't know what the equivalent of, like, a double chef's kiss is. is, it with, is it, I, guess,
4: I guess it's with two hands, right? Yes.
2: There's the, like, one, and then there's, like, yes, both of them. Uh, and then, like, the episode continues, and you need to, like, get a third person to come in and give their hand for the, the 3 times chef kiss, which doesn't make any sense, but that's what the episode needed.
1: It's just, oh, yeah. it's so great. I, I, I love the whole sequence. And then they, you know, they, they swarm uh, the city of Sundari and... You know, uh, like again, we get awesome hand-to-hand uh, uh, fight sequences, and like, uh, part of me wonders, like, if this is the this is the big Bat Season Mandalore, and the next episode will be more of a personal like Maul versus Ahsoka story. Um, but either way, like, it was just it, it delivers on so many things we've been wanting. It's it's beautiful. The action is great. Like. That fight scene between, um, you know, Bogtan and Prime Minister Almec in the throne room was really cool. Oh my goodness!
0: I like, yeah, a fool of him. Oh
1: yes, <laughs>
2: uh, and it's it's uh, not even close, is it? Like Bo, re- just every single moment, like you know, even when she loses, like her blasters. There's the jetpack, the kicking. That, that sounds super generic, but like yes, it's
4: more, please,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, please include this in season two of Mandalorian. Like this is, this is your test reel. It (laughs) works. Give it to me in live action. I don't know how you do that, but like, I'm okay with it. It was a lot
1: more Mandalorians. Oh, it was, it was
2: incredible.
0: She is is unstoppable. Like the few times we've seen her in a kind of one-on-one situation, she just, just wipes the floor. Um, I really liked Almec's armor though. I didn't expect to see him fully armored up. He looks Uh, awesome.
1: Very ornate. Prime yeah. Ministry ar- Mandalorian armor, really cool stuff. Uh, and I also liked how we got we got more of Ursa Wren uh, in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't get we haven't. I know uh, Sean, you and I talked offline, but we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the podcast. But I love how they uh, they're bringing in Ursa Wren from from Rebels. Um, we we have uh, Gar Saxon from Rebels, who was in the uh, Son of Dathomir comic. But you will remember Gar was running, he was leading the um the imperial super commandos and he was the imperial viceroy of mandalore uh he uh he is in this episode um rook cast played by vanessa marshall was in this episode uh and she also appeared in the son of dathomir comic series so you know it's just it's so it's so cool
2: do you want to hear my other uh, prediction that I'm really hoping for?
1: Uh-huh. Go ahead. I
2: really, I I don't remember what. It, I guess his name was Visla, right? Yeah, the Vizla from Mandalorian. Oh, uh, Pax Vizla. You know,
3: like,
2: he- oh, yes. Yeah, heavy gunner Mandalorian. Oh, heavy gunner. Um, okay, wrong one. Voice, and it was voiced by Dave Filoni, as I recall, right? Uh, uh, John, John Favreau. Uh, I was okay, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> um, that's not close at all. But <laughs> <people>. I,
4: uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, they're I both wonder... the executive producer of the or show.
2: so right? <laughs> I do wonder if I would love to see a cameo of him at some point in this as well, just as a very distinctive body type and maybe something you could add in the background of like, hey, that's a really big Mandalorian carrying a really massive chain gun. I wonder. <laughs> Ooh, that would
0: be cool. Uh, so, I, I feel like fandom doesn't go nearly nuts enough for the the mall style Mandalorian armor with the horns on the helmet that uh, like Gar Saxon. Has is the only one we see with that particular armor here. It's actually a little different. We've seen mm-hmm. the maul helmets before. This is me, this is, this. Uh, uh, now I'm gonna just go talk about this for ages. Do it, do uh, it. <laughs> so mo- Saxon's helmet horns are kind of only on the back of the he- part of the helmet. Uh, Whereas the other ones formed a complete crown. Um,
2: Would you say, like, maybe he's got, like, male pattern baldness going on? You know, just the horn. You get a little older, the horns don't grow in the same way as they used
1: to. It's male pattern baldness.
0: A mullet?
1: A mullet? Oh, a mullet would be better. I feel like that fits his character a little bit, you know. It's a mullet. Oh, too
2: funny. No, William, just. I need you to stop now, please. You got your one. <laughs> oh, oh, continue, continue
3: steven continue
2: <laughs> Right, <laughs> like sean i, I just want to hear you wax poetic about mandalorian helmets a little bit longer
0: yeah, they're just so freaking cool. Like, at every yeah. turn. And, and these are, like, it's Maul crossed with Boba Fett, essentially. It's like, I remember when I first saw Maul leading the Mandalorians, like, this is amazing. This is Darth Maul leading an army of Boba Fetts. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and then I saw the Maul-style helmets. It's like, oh, wait, no, this is the greatest <laughs> thing. Like, I'm, why can't I get, like, A statue or or a Hot Toys figure based on those. Now, please.
2: I'll add, I also loved, um, a couple of them had, instead of the traditional black visors, they had like Mm -hmm. the gold visors as well, which I thought looked super cool.
0: Like Maul's eyes. Yeah. I didn't think
2: about that. Oh my,
3: yes. What was also cool, Gar Saxon had like three little spots on his armor, these little triangles that also kind of reflected the look on the visor where it was like that Mm -hmm. gold. So it kind of highlighted that I thought was pretty cool, too. Little touches, you have yeah. to take a look.
2: Yeah, actually, as a quick side note, a thing I really appreciated, and this is going earlier, I liked um, all of, like, Satine and the other Mandalorians all had the little two gold bars on the sides of their heads. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's either a, kind of be like a comlink or a way the helmet attaches or something like that. I love that Ahsoka had a similar design on her um, head as well, basically. Uh, and I thought it did a really good, nice job of helping tie together them visually that, you know, this is... An alliance of Ahsoka with the Mandalorians, right?
1: Yeah, oh, all the little details were were just so incredible in this episode. You could tell just how much the team cared and poured over every tiny detail, from the facial expressions and the animation to the little visual touches. Like they went all out with this episode. Like we, we talked about how great the show looks before. This surpassed everything else we've ever seen in terms of scale, in terms of detail, in terms of just. Ah, oh, it was so 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 good. But I, I don't
3: want to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Just, I was gonna say. So this is. I'm gonna spoil a little bit of my end review. But I, like, I always talked about landing at point. Rain was one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars because I felt like it was such a great war story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode topped it. Like yeah. wow. The way the way it it they told the battle and, and some of it, like the the budget is significantly different from here versus landing at Point rain. So I'm not, I don't want to gloss over that piece as well, mm-hmm. but like they just, every piece of it fired on all cylinders, the battle, oh, cool. like whether it's the sweeping shots of ships, you know, approaching uh, the city
1: mm-hmm.
2: or the personal details of like Ahsoka or Bo in these individual one-on-one fights is, was just amazingly well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And even the little backstories. We talked about, you know, we talked about Fulcrum earlier, or how, uh, you know, it, the even more minor, like Gar Saxon in in Rebels has this deep hatred of Clan Wren, right? And we find out that, well, Ursa Wren was fighting against Gar Saxon in the Siege of Mandalore. That makes a lot of sense why they hate yeah. each other so much. Uh, yeah, you
0: know, yeah. Him in the face or something before this is over, right? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All of
1: these little details are just so so fantastic and that's even before we get to maul like we haven't even seen maul yet and the episode is like perfection
4: yeah
2: oh this is where we discover you know this was all a trap set by maul not for ahsoka but for Mm obi-wan to lure him in and particularly lure him into the undercity where the mandalorian the maul i don't know uh, that? That's
1: a good name. Maul Super DeLorean. Commandos. Yeah, I
2: think it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, but Super Commando, Maul DeLorean, <laughs> One's got a pun, William, and one doesn't. I, I, I do um, like Maul DeLorean. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. At, I'll just say, the biggest surprise for me in this episode um, is Ahsoka goes into the Undercity and meets Captain Vaughn, who is, uh has a unique helmet so you can pick him out. And the I'll say, the moment Vaughn appeared, my I pinned him out like, Vaughn is going to be the one who executes Order Sixty Six because we know Rex isn't going to do it. Hmm. We need a named, a named, dis- visually distinct character who will be the one responsible for that. And then he does. Um, spo- <laughs> as yeah, spoiler alert, not going to be him uh, unless something odd happens. But uh, <laughs> I <I'm> find guys <laughs> the sequence of uh, Ahsoka's little force in the Undersitting getting taken out, shot almost like a horror film. Mm-hmm. I thought was. Very, very well done. Very clean sewers.
0: They were sewers, weren't they?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah.
3: They yeah. were sewers. It led to the. Un, the. Um. I. I want to bring something up here, and I. I, I want to go back to the uh, throne room where. Um, where Malik is confronting or being confronted by Belkaton. Um. Remember when he sat there and he kind of, he kind of, I would say, snickered and said, "You know, you brought the wrong Jedi." Um. Wasn't that a title of an episode? Yeah. And I was title of an episode, March second, twenty thirteen. Um and didn't the wrong Jedi happen to be Ahsoka Tano?
0: His exact thought a... was You Brought the Wrong One. Mm-hmm. But yes, that oh. was that was clear. Sorry, Sorry nope. I thought it was you brought
3: the wrong Jedi. I thought that's what he said.
0: But I, I had that thought too, that like that was that has to have been a reference to that yeah. episode. Uh, it's like Ahsoka, it's always the wrong Jedi.
2: Yep. Sorry, I, I just I just connected no, the wrong yeah. thing. No, that's that is so cool. I would not have thought of wow. that. That's super cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: you know, to your point, Stephen, like the entire sequence is is so creepy. It, it is like a horror film in many ways with the strings and you know, uh, yeah. If, if Ahsoka you, like you got the sorry, I was say you
2: got the off canter camera that's mm-hmm. slightly
1: angled wrong to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then they actually start to—they do start to show you the uh, the Mandalorians, as we were calling them, and and, and Rook, you know, s- like kind of watching Ahsoka, um, which just kind of starts to up the tension even more. It's so beautifully shot.
3: I, I think the best thing about that one is when she's finally confronted. She's in the room, got all the Ma- Maldolorians around her, and then you just hear clink, clink. Because it's the metal legs of Maul. Mm -hmm. That, and then Maul starts talking, and that was just like, and and just for that one little bit, Sam Witwer put so much into Maul. You could just hear the dripping hatred Mm -hmm. coming
1: out when he said that line. Just nine words, and that's all he says in the episode. I was hoping for Kenobi. Why are you here? Yeah, and that's it. The episode ends. It's like, oh, it's such a great cliffhanger, and the fact that it ends like it has like the strings, and then we just hear the hum of the lightsaber. Yep, and silent credits.
3: Oh, <sighs> talk about a way! Talk about a way to end the episode. And now, I really want to see all four episodes back to back once they're all done. But I don't want to see it to where you know you you have to get the title. I just want to jump. I want no cuts i mean i want no titles i just want cut to cut to cut at the end of the episode to where it's like boom 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 basically i just
1: want to see it on a big screen oh god it's this up ep- this arc deserves to be on a big screen and in fact like yes uh i've noticed lucasfilm seems to be promoting this arc much more heavily than the last two i mean bad batch was promoted a decent amount. Um, I mm-hmm. felt like the Ahsoka's Walkabout arc, like every time the episodes were released on Disney plus, they were a bit, they weren't on the, they weren't the first slide on Disney plus. There were a few back. Um, this one front and center. This, they, they, the, the, the trailer they put out for this uh, was shown on primetime TV. Uh, they're really uh, hyping this up a lot more as they should be because this is, mm-hmm. I loved Bad Batch. I thought I like loved how the Ahsoka's walkabout arc gave us the backstory of Ahsoka and got her to the place where we can get her now. But this arc, this arc is what this final season has been all about. That's everything has been leading up to yep. this point. Uh, you know,
2: the, the other thing I really appreciate, and I, it makes me wonder if they would have done this if the show had continued normally um, back in you know twenty thirteen twenty fourteen. Um, but looking back, it's really funny. Um, Clone Wars launched with three episodes that they decided to turn into a movie. That was, uh, <laughs> charitably, not well received. Um, I, even as someone like that, I thought that it was okay. Um, Clone Wars did not start off strong. Well, when converted to a movie form, and I love that you, without a doubt, they could have put this on screen in movie theaters, you know, across the world. And I, I suspect. The it would have done very very well indeed.
4: <clears throat>
2: yes. Like I, watching those two movies back to back. There, I don't think. And I'm again. I'm, I haven't even seen the last three episodes, and I already know this statement will ring just as true. But I not only does it show how far characters like Ahsoka have come, but it will show just how far Dave Filoni and crew and Lucasfilm have come when it comes to animated television.
1: Yes. Totally. Yeah. yeah totally agree like they have just done such a an incredible job on on this this arc in particular you know it's just oh.
0: i i'm going to actively kind of uh advise people if they're curious to just watch this arc because uh, i feel like it a lot of people go oh seven seasons uh um, like it's it's a big big time commitment but yeah. Like, I, I think this will work on its own. Like, obviously, it won't have quite the same emotional resonance, but the scale of it, the action, it, it it's all rather self-explanatory, I think. Uh,
1: it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, because you've got... Like, you won't get the emotion of Ahsoka and, and Rex, but you will definitely get the Revenge of the <laughs> Sith tie-in, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the camaraderie between Anakin and, and Obi-Wan.
0: And It's like... They, if they they love it, they can go back and watch what came before. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's not like you're spoiling it that much, but <laughs> exactly. Nope. Um, yeah, no, it's just, oh, it's, it's so great. And, and actually, Steven, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the Clone Wars movie that kicked off the series because uh, we didn't talk about the, the fight scene on the bridge that much uh, once Anakin comes in and does his fake surrender. But that whole scene was chock full of references to the Clone Wars movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like just the fact that Anakin is pretending to surrender, he did that in the original Clone Wars movie. The uh, Ahsoka's, uh, uh, you know, walking down the, um, the 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 landing ramp, the, the ramp for the first time, very reminiscent of her coming down the ramp with bo katan and seeing Anakin again, being reunited again with Anakin. And I also liked how R2 was the, the one to welcome her back first. Um, We got the tri droids that we saw uh, in the, in the um, bad batch arc that were first introduced in the movie, even just the the general architecture of the planet uh, with the giant, uh, the giant bridge almost reminded me of the towers of Christophsis. it had a very similar feel and it kind of like like bringing it full circle in many ways. Mm Hmm. Yeah, which I really liked and uh, and of course, you know, there's also references to uh, Return of the Jedi with the sail barge, a, very, a similar version of the sail barge assault theme. Done, you know, done, 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 dun, dun. you know, uh, it's just it's not the exact same music, but it fits so perfectly like everything they did in this in this arc was just incredible, I- incredible. I also like the the, the again the, the the humor of Rex, you know, going to the 501st and saying "Hang in there, guys!" as they're all hanging below the bridge. It's just <laughs> it's good stuff. Oh go. yeah, it's good yeah. good stuff. Um, also, fun fact: while we're talking about the scene, um, the tactical droid that Anakin uses the Force to pull and like slice his head off was played by Donald Faison, who played Hype in Star Wars Resistance. So we got. Vanessa Marshall in this episode we had uh uh Donald Faison uh, from from obviously she's um Hera from Rebels, Donald Faison from Resistance. Uh, Bobby Moynihan uh, was in a previous uh episode. Uh, I just think last week's um we had uh you know the, the the voice of Niku. So like they've gotten a lot of the voices from some of the other series
0: to re- play a role in, in this which is kind of cool. Part of me one. Oh, go oh, Go ahead, John. Oh, presumably they were like in the studio and someone said, hey, you want to be in Clone Wars? <laughs> and they were yes, I do want to be in Clone Wars.
2: Makes sense. It's already there. Me, yeah. Part of me wonders, though, if because a lot of this was recorded a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's possible that, that you're exactly correct. But part of me wonders if, well, I mean, uh, Vanessa Marshall, probably not. Um, but like we know Donald Faison for, it is Donald Faison, right? Uh, or am I con- am I- yeah, Donald Faison, yeah. Okay, sorry. I was getting it I was like, wait, no, it's hype phase on, not Donald phase. Because <laughs> they anyway, have the same last name. <laughs> um, yes.
4: You're close. You're uh, close.
2: You're close. But like we know he was supposed to be working on detours mm. um long, long time ago. So maybe this is like, oh hey, detours isn't gonna happen anymore, but hey, we got you into this episode of Clone Wars, and then they come back later, like, hey, we're doing resistance, we want to bring you back. Um so I wonder how much of it was that order versus they were already doing resistance and then mm. came in to do this or you know, whatever it might have been.
1: From, I was under the impression, I could be wrong, that the earlier episodes had been voiced, but maybe this one, this arc had not been recorded right. yet. But maybe not, I don't know, it's a good question.
0: But they, uh, Well, I interviewed D Bradley Baker a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he said uh, they used some old uh, recording stuff, uh, but he re-recorded others for that Badge, Bad, Bad Batch mm-hmm. arc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. That's good to, Got it. Good, good to know. Good to know. So Definitely so check out your interview. Yeah. <laughs> they should. Who knows when any of this was recorded? I guess yeah. <laughs> hopefully someone will ask them at some point. Yeah, it was, it's a great a Disney interview. Plus, though, so.
3: documentary. We need a Disney Plus documentary the behind the scenes of this last season of uh, Clone Wars.
1: Do you think they'll do That'll it? I kind of nice.
3: hope they would. Uh, it might be too far gone by now.
1: I mean, documentaries are, are very cheap to produce, I, I believe, um, compared to a, a big series. And if they're looking for more content, and if the Mandalorian docuseries does well, I I, I could see them doing this for a lot more stuff going forward.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, but I think this one, this one's probably too far gone. They, they probably would have had to have something in production oh, when yes, these yes. final episodes were uh, being produced. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, oh, so such a great such a great arc. Um, like,
3: and, and I think we're ready for, uh, uh ratings, right?
1: Yeah. That's Steven. You, you said, uh, you, 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 you want to go first given your, uh, uh your impressions. Yeah. I mean, so
2: this is, uh, my answer hasn't changed. <laughs> um, I, I and I'll caveat my statement with, we haven't seen the next three episodes. Uh, this has been the best episode of clone wars that I've ever watched. Um, it, Easily, I think, beats out any previous episode,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it's something that we haven't talked about really. But I, uh, I think about a lot is uh, it's rare for a show to end well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a t- it's a hard thing to end a show perfectly, and I think about a lot of shows that, um, you know, I'll I'll rag on Game of Thrones as an example. Um, arguably mean, if you feel differently that's perfectly acceptable. Uh Game of Thrones I don't think had a very strong ending. And it when that happens it leaves you with a sour taste of like I uh, it was it was good and then it got bad. Um this to me makes me feel so good about going into the the final arcs of the Clone Wars. Like this feel it literally fired on every cylinder from not just having big action spectacles that are well animated and choreographed but might like pick piece to piece conversations and discussions and character development are all there and are all fantastic. Um It, the Sean, I think you said it perfectly. Like if I had to tell wh- someone to go and watch a, like a single arc of the clone wars, I would probably pick this one. It's a little weird to tell someone to go watch the conclusion of a show. If that's all they're ever going to see, but it, it really has been fantastic. Um, and I'm part of the reason I'm, uh, waxing eloquently is because I'm trying to think of what to do with my Womp rats. Uh, so yeah, i I have to give it. A t- I think a perfect 10 out of 10. Um, it's possible the next episodes will be even better, and I'll have to f- uh, maybe I'll break the rules and go to an 11 like Tom uh, threatened to do. Um, <laughs> but I generally think this was the perfect episode of Clone Wars. I don't know that you could have a more perfect episode, and I challenge Dave Filoni th- to prove me wrong in the next three episodes. Um, and I I think I'm just going to have to be a little on the boring side, but I just I think I'm going to send my ten Womp Rats into the Siege of Mandalore. You know, Anakin uh, and Rex, they knew they couldn't send as many members of the Five as they wanted. Bo-Katan needed more reinforcements, and so they turned to the only allies they had left, the Womp Rats. <laughs> uh, and You can see them in a couple of scenes in the background as Ahsoka's leaping from gunship to gunship. They're totally there doing the exact same thing. Uh, fighting fighting
1: fearsomely. Nice. Oh, so, so good. Tom, you want to go next? Okay.
3: Um, I don't know how to... I, okay, fine. I'm just going to say it. I'm giving this episode a 10.5. I actually <laughs> am going to break the uh, 10 Wamp rat scale because I'm giving it 0. 0.5 because I actually watched this episode five times. I loved it. I think... The choreography, the storytelling, everything hit on so many cylinders. I, I I don't know. I know that there's three more episodes coming. I'm pretty sure they're probably all going to get the same rating across the board if they're like this. And um, I I have to give it the point five because I watched it five times. So I got to go the extra the extra point five. So my ten point five on Um When it came to the tactical droid, see. He was so far behind the lines, even when the guns stopped, he wasn't aware that they stopped. So if you want to blame the tactical droid for going out to see what was going on, blame these 10.5 Womp Rats because they're the ones that actually told him that the Separatist guns stopped and they're the ones that actually sent him to his doom. Which, if you look at it from the other point of view, they actually helped the Republic and Anakin Skywalker find the tactical droid.
1: Nice. That's... This episode is just, uh, it is incredible. Um, Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, there's nothing. No, like it is a, it is quite an achievement. And Stephen, your comments about how it's rare for a show to end well are so perfect because you're right. it, It doesn't happen very often, and we are into the final, the final four episodes, and this, this show is just firing on all cylinders, delivering on everything fans have waited seven years for since the show was canceled but really 12 years for since the show began since 2008 we knew that the clone wars was going to have to end we were going to have to find out what happened to rex what happened to ahsoka would they tie into revenge of the sith these were all things we speculated about and we wondered about for 12 years and we are now approaching the finale and it is just delivering on every Level we got Ahsoka reunited with Anakin and Obi Wan and it wasn't necessarily the happy reunion we were hoping for but it is a perfectly written reunion and then of course the, her having to say goodbye to them uh, and, and and you know simply for the the last time like her her final goodbye to Anakin is. You know, definitely bittersweet as well. Just like how when you watch *Revenge of the Sith* and and Anakin, and Obi Wan says goodbye to Anakin, and you know, and, and we know like the next time they they see each other, they're gonna be at each other's throats. And in this case, you know, she she says goodbye to 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 Anakin, and you know, she comments on how like Obi Wan always says there's no such thing as luck, and Anakin says good thing he taught you otherwise, and she says good luck, and they leave, and that's probably the last time they'll ever they'll ever see each other. And it's just, you know. It is it's emotional her her being reunited with the 501st her uh, the, and the respect they show her knowing what's going to happen in just a few episodes seeing like the beginning of revenge of the Sith seeing the siege of Mandalore and all its epic glory they could not have delivered a more perfect episode and so like you guys I'm gonna give this 10 Womp Rats out of 10 who knows what the next three episodes will bring but this this episode just just delivered visually from a story standpoint from a, uh, I know um, sound design standpoint musically it was incredible so my, my ten womp rats are actually going to be backing up Maul in the sewer since they are in a sewer and I feel like womp rats would, would live in a sewer uh, so my ten womp rats are going to back up Maul in the sewer they're hiding behind him just in case Ahsoka tries to get the upper hand
0: Sean bring us home well unlike you guys I was deeply deeply disappointed in the whole thing just, it felt listless. No energy. No real, <laughs> no real emotions. Yet. You're All right, a sleepy watching episode, it, right? Yeah, uh, that, that I'm really sorry. <laughs> the, the average is ruined. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, clearly, I'm going to give it a 10. It was pretty phenomenal. And I'm so glad that somewhere along the line, someone at Lucasfilm said, Hey, these Mandalorians, they look rather cool. We should do something with them. And then, this small guy, why is he dead? Let's make him not dead.
4: <laughs>
0: and the results have exceeded anything we could have hoped for, I suspect. And I, I can only hope that the rest of the arc lives up to this. I suspect it will. They've had plenty of time to work on it. Uh, so, yeah, 10 out of 10. And. My Womprats, my 10 Womprats, are going to be actually surprisingly close to yours, William. They're, so when you heard Maul stepping out of the tunnel, he sounded—you know his footsteps sounded heavier than normal. Uh, you'd assume that was just for dramatic effect, but no. There are 10 Womprats, five in each leg, uh, operating you know, here. <laughs> And they're frantically trying to just move him around the place. Uh, because they got a little bit bit broken after Sidious hit him with the force lightning. So he he <laughs> shoved some uh womp rats in there to 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 work on them. And they are terrified in there. It's like, Oh my god, work work faster, guys. He's gonna kill us all. Uh so we'll see what their fate is later.
1: <laughs> nice. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, I'm going to love even more, though. Uh, season, uh, The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 10. This is coming up on Ion Canon next week, titled The Phantom Apprentice. In this episode, Ahsoka and Republic Forces Confront Maul on Mandalore. We, we've, we've speculated a bit about this episode, uh, probably more than a bit, about what will happen over the next couple episodes. But, you know, Stephen, you mentioned earlier how great of a title this is. I love it. The Phantom Apprentice.
0: Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Um, it's it's really fascinating. I I never noticed this until this season, but how how similar Ahsoka and Maul's experiences have been in that mm. they both been abandoned by their masters in, in quite different circumstances. You're right? Because uh, one of their their masters is a monster. Palpatine is. Just, I mean, you the can worst. argue
1: both their masters are monsters. Eventually,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Anakin <laughs> will be a, a monster in like a few hours, uh, but he, he hasn't <laughs> yet. And at least he's sad, right. and I suspect he'd have Ahsoka back in her heartbeat. Whereas Palpatine was like, "No, nah, man, you've been replaced. You suck, and I'm gonna replace your replacement pretty soon. So don't even worry about it." It's uh, true, I, I expect. Uh, Maul to try to tempt Ahsoka to the dark side to become his apprentice, but we'll see. Interesting.
1: Uh, you know, I, did, I didn't realize I did until you that. brought it up. Until you brought it up, Sean, I didn't realize that. I was kind of thinking of the Phantom Apprentice, like, oh, of course, Maul was the Phantom Menace in the Phantom Menace, um, and, and 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 Sidious as well, right? They don't. There's the Sith. They 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 don't know that they exist yet. They're they're a menace that's kind of hiding in the background. And in this episode next week. Maul is the Phantom Apprentice because he's no longer the Apprentice. He's kind of still out there as a Phantom, uh, but he is no longer Sidious's Apprentice. And I, I didn't really make the connection that, of course, Ahsoka is the same way. She's kind of a Phantom Apprentice as well. She's no longer an Apprentice, discarded, um, but uh, but out there. And now these two will will meet. It's so great. It's yeah. so great. So looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, with that, I think we're. This has been quite a fun episode. Uh, I get I get chills every time I talk about this episode. But, uh, Sean, thank you so much for for joining us. This has been fun. Thank you
0: very much for having me. It, as always, has been excellent. Uh, it wasn't quite as long a conversation as our Rise of Skywalker one. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, this is a much shorter thing. I suspect, uh, like an an overall siege of mandalore arc uh episode will would be just as long as yes that. yes
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yes uh but it's 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 a great one um so excited to see what happens next um do you want to tell people where they can they can follow you you have some great interviews up that you've done recently as well
0: Yes. Uh, So I am a reporter for CNET, which is a tech website, but we also cover pop culture and like Star Wars a lot. Um, And I recently interviewed Dee Bradley Baker, the voice of every single clone, and I guess in particular Rex at the moment. And uh, I have something coming up. Uh, I interviewed Anthony Daniels at his house Uh, before the world shut down and when, you know, you could actually meet people. Um, And I'm going to write a kind of profile piece. Uh, It was to do with his book, which uh, uh, IMC-3PO, The Inside Story. Oh, gosh, the title is... It's IMC-3PO. And it's... I would highly recommend everyone read it. I would actually recommend that people... Get the audio book because he reads it mm. um, oh that's fine I like if if Anthony Daniels voice doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy um, I'm sorry
2: uh, <laughs> uh, I think there's something wrong with you then
0: exactly um, yes yeah, so I sat with him for two hours he was very generous with his time and he was a really lovely fella and hopefully when I write about it uh, I'm working on that I've been working on that since um, you will experience what I experienced. Hopefully I can bring you along on that.
3: Very cool.
1: Awesome. That's going to be so exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, definitely check out all of your, the the interview with D Bradley Baker was fantastic. The uh, I'm very excited about your interview with Anthony Daniels and you always do such great uh, clone wars recaps on uh, CNET as well. So uh, people should definitely follow you there. And you're on Twitter at the spectacular Sean as well, right?
0: uh just spectacular sean spectacular yes spectacular sean not no no no, the (laughs) awesome
1: well thank you again for joining us as always and we'll be back next week with our review of the phantom apprentice
3: thank you for listening to the ion cannon podcast your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away the Ion Cannon podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.